Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, December 7th, 2021, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Well, we're real happy to welcome Jacqueline Smith back to our show. She is an internationally known star and animal communicator, a light linguist, and author who lives in Ohio. She's been communicating with star beings, interdimensional beings, and animals since early childhood. Jacqueline has done private consults and taught classes for over 40 years. She communicates with a wide variety of star races, like the tall white Zeta Masters, Mantis Beings, Arcturians, Zetas, Dolphins, Celestials, and many others. She is the author of Animal Communication, Our Sacred Connection with Animals, Star Origins and Wisdom of Animals, and her newest, Star Being in the Mirror, My Journey as a Hybrid. She has had many articles published in magazines and has been interviewed for a number of books, Uh, Jacqueline has done hundreds of radio and online interviews. She has also developed an e-course, How to Telepathically Communicate with Star Beings and Better Understand Who They Are. She offers light language sessions where star beings and other beings of light come through her to assist the person in numerous ways, which aligns a person with their energy fields. Uh, Private consultations, books, MP3s, her e-course, and more you can find on her website, which is Jacqueline Smith, and Jacqueline is spelled J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N, smith.com. And you can also find her on Amazon. So at the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And uh, if you missed our last show and you have starseed children or grandchildren, be sure to check out Magical Messages from the Animal Kingdom by Arielle Taylor on Amazon Books. If you just search my name, uh, you'll get right to it. And it was written to help children get off their devices and reconnect with Mother Nature by understanding the animal guides of Native America. And we'd like to thank Kathy and Fiona for hosting the Switchboard tonight. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com and it is a safe place to connect with other starseeds under Tammy's watchful eye. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, just please click follow on our page here and you'll get our bi-weekly show notices if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom session available with Anastasia, Emerald, Miara, Riley, or myself. Lavendar will not be doing sessions after January 1st, and her calendar until then is already filled. And remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of power So you can find out exactly when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And that usually takes less than a week. But if you want that chart to be interpreted, please order it well ahead of your birthday. 
So I may get back to my other screen here. First up tonight is Anastasia with the Starseed News. Good evening, Ariel. Hello, everybody. Can you hear me all right? Hi Hi there. (laughs) Great to be with you tonight. Well, let's start out talking about something that's very interesting to me anyway. I hope that you're interested in it. You know, have you ever wondered where water comes from? We know it's an element, but scientists for many years have wondered how the Earth got all of its water. And they've actually tried to figure it out. Well, they now have come up with a suggestion based on a study that water on Earth was largely created by solar wind, which created water on the surface of asteroid dust that smashed into the early Earth. And this is according to a new paper published in the journal Nature Astronomy. They tell us that Earth is very water-rich compared to other rocky planets in our solar system, oceans covering more than 70% of our surface, and scientists have long puzzled over the exact source of it all. And a professor of the Space Science and Technology Center at Curtin University said that the theory has been that water was carried to Earth in the final stages of its formation on C-type asteroids. However, previous testing of the isotopic fingerprint of these asteroids found that they, on average, didn't match with the water found on Earth, meaning there was another source unaccounted for. Well, recently, their research indicates that the solar wind created water on the surface of tiny dust grains and that this water likely provided the remainder of the Earth's water. Now, this is really scientific stuff, which I'm omitting about ions and stuff like that, so let's go on. But what they used to discover this was something called atom probe (laughs) tomography. And the scientists analyzed, were, were able to analyze with this Uh, kind of technology, a grain of dust from the S-type near-Earth asteroid Iotaka. We've heard about that. We've talked about that before in past programs. They took samples from this asteroid. They took the samples with the Hayabusa spacecraft that came back to the Earth in 2010. So it brought back samples of asteroid dust. They used this tomography on it. And they said, our our world-class atom probe allowed us to take an incredibly detailed look inside the surface of the dust grains, which we found contained enough water that is scaled up in enough quantity of dust would amount to about 20 liters for every microscopic piece of rock. Now, you know, I was scratching my head at the math math on this, so 20 liters for a, a piece, I don't think so. So something isn't right about this, either the way it was written or the way I'm understanding it. But anyway, the point being is that if you get enough dust, you're going to be able to have water on the earth. So I'll continue. They say that this gives us an extraordinary insight into how tiny dust particles floating in space might help us understand the isotopic composition of the earth's water and give us new clues to help solve the mystery of the origins of this water. Their research not only gives scientists a remarkable insight into the past source of earth's water, but could help future space missions how astronauts would get sufficient water without carrying supplies, because that would be pretty impossible, is one of the barriers of future space exploration. The scientists say that their research shows that the space weathering process that created water on the asteroid likely occurred on other airless planets, meaning astronauts could be able to provide fresh supplies of water 
straight from the dust on a planet's surface, even the moon. Now, think about that for a minute, that water actually comes from dust, that dust carries the molecules that make up water. What? That's fascinating to me. (laughs) That's, That's like magic, okay? Just the opposite of what you would think. And it's this modern technology that's enabling them to plumb the uh, the matter, to, to dig deeply into matter to see and discern these things. I mean, that's just amazing. Um, wow. Uh, we may be able to pr- produce fresh supplies of water straight from the dust on a planet's surface, even the moon. Wow. Well, okay, let's go back to Earth for a minute. Let's talk about our houses on planet Earth. Inside of our houses, did you know, uh, some of you already know this, Ariel, you you love dogs, I know you know this, but I'm going to go on. Some of you may not, and some of this is things we might not have thought about. But anyway, household sounds can distress our dogs and stress our dogs. And they say that many dog owners misread, misread their dog's signs of anxiety. We're attributing it to something else when, in fact, uh, it might be common household noises that are bothering our pet. Uh, We all know that perhaps thunderstorms and especially fireworks can disturb dogs and even cats, but they say pay attention to your household racket. A new study from researchers at the University of California at Davis finds that many dog owners don't recognize that their dog is anxious when exposed to common house noises like a microwave or a vacuum cleaner, uh, or that they just underestimate the amount of stress that their pet feels when subjected to this kind of racket, study was inspired by one of the uh, the do- one of the owners, uh, one of the authors, excuse me, owned a dog and was observing the dog. And this woman, a university professor, had a sweet, gentle, Australian, uh, gentle Australian shepherd that one day began to act really stressed and stopped eating for days. And she said, eventually, it was discovered that the source of my dog's distress with the low battery chirps of a smoke detector located in a faraway section of my house. Well, to her, this was background noise. I guess the door was closed. You know, she got used to it. It's kind of like the sound of a train going by. You get to where you don't hear it anymore. And so she didn't notice it, really. But once this chirping stopped, the dog began to eat, and, and the dog returned to normal. The shepherd was fine. Well, this made her curious. And so she and her students wanted to see if they could document this whole process more broadly. So they did notice, as they began to study the dog, they experimented with the poor little thing anyway, <laughs> they noticed that the dog would tremble whenever she anticipated the smoke alarm might go off. For example, when the woman put the stovetop fan on to clear smoke from maybe a, a scorched pan or the fumes that come off of burnt toast, it scared the dog. The dog anticipated the smoke detector was going to go off. Wow. Wow. Well, for the study, researchers surveyed 368 dog owners about their pets' responses to daily and irregular but normal household sounds and observed dozens of videos that, were feature- that featured dogs reacting to common household noises. Now, they found that high-frequency intermittent noises like the low battery alert warning from a smoke detector or carbon monoxide detector are far more likely to trigger anxiety in a dog than a low-frequency continuous noise like the sound of a vacuum cleaner. With these lower-frequency continuous noises, reactions often looked more like just excitement or curiosity instead of fear. But nevertheless, 
it still is some semblance of stress. Even arousal or excitement can be a stress factor on a dog. Well, anyway, they, they say that based on our results, it seems that when owners consider the sound to be normal, a normal part of their household life, um, they often don't pay attention to any behavior in their dogs that might indicate the stress was from the noise. They might say it's from something else or maybe the dogs are acting crazy. But this researcher, these researchers say that dogs are individuals and they're going to vary in their sensitivity to noise. You can have multiple dogs in a house and only one may show intense reaction to sounds, but you have to take the sounds into consideration. They point out that uh, noise phobia in dogs differ, but they say that at least half of the percentage of half of the population of dogs probably suffer from some type of noise sensitivity. After all, they have very sensitive ears, much more so than ours. They say that um, m many cats also can be fearful of household noises and stressed by that, but she said that's a future study. And they tell us that owners often think that they know what their pets are feeling, but that isn't always the case. They might misinterpret or miss some feelings of anxiety. She said, we as humans are pretty good at interpreting the really overt signs of stress in dogs, such as having their tails tucked, cringing, running away. But without some form of education in canine behavior, we're not nearly as good at detecting the subtle signs of stress in our dogs. Behaviors such as lip licking, body tensing, firmly closing mouths, looking or leaning away from the source of stress, lowering their bodies to the ground, are all important signs that a dog is uncomfortable. And if we ignore these signs, some dogs may escalate to defensive aggression. It says, ideally, owners should be able to realize when their dog is stressed or uncomfortable and either change what's happening or remove their pet from the situation. For example, we could change our batteries early on smoke detectors so that the alarms don't go off or put our pets in the backyard when we vacuum. Studies repeatedly show that the general public, you know, tend to underestimate fear and anxiety in dogs because they miss these more subtle signs. They hope that these studies and the results of these studies will make owners more aware of how household sounds can be stressing to pets and then begin to take steps to minimize that anxiety, understanding that animals' hearing is far more sensitive to humans and, you know, they're seeing it from a different perspective. Um, they say that dogs experience many of the same emotions that we humans do. And when they display these signs of fear and anxiety, they are suffering. If we can alleviate the suffering, it seems that we owe it to them to do so. She went on to say, our dogs rely on us for everything, really, and provide us so much companionship and happiness. I suspect that most, if not all, the owners who respond to the survey overseen in the videos truly love their dogs. They just didn't really understand what they were seeing in their dog's behavior, or maybe didn't even think about the situation from their dog's perspective. Now, that's a big one, dog's perspective. Any of you out there ever gotten down on the floor with your dog? Just stayed there, down there with him and looked around and looked up at the tabletops? I did that once with my doggy, and I'll tell you what, it was amazing. I was surprised at how much I could see on the table from sitting on the floor. I could see so many things that I wasn't even aware the dog was aware of. I learned a lot by staying on the floor with my dog for a day or maybe a few hours. It was it was quite a while I sat down there with him. And so it is good to think about your dog's perspective, looking at the world from the eyes of a dog. 
and maybe considering how they feel about things and how the impact of things that we're used to uh, affects our doggies. And the results of this study were in the journal Frontiers in Veterinary Science. So I hope this article is going to help some dog out there, maybe some cat, because maybe we'll be mindful when we make a lot of racket. Okay, um, this is a really amazing story about a, a young guy, I'm telling you, who won a very special award. And um, he's from Sierra Leone, and uh, he saw a problem in his community at, when he was a child, and he was determined to fix it. And he's actually won international prizes for excellence in innovation. His name is Jeremiah Theronka, and he invented a machine that delivers electricity to houses through absorbing kinetic energy from vehicles passing over roadways. His device powers 150 small houses, doesn't rely on changing weather patterns, and needs no battery or external infrastructure. There were 3,500 uh, 3, contestants, but this boy picked up the $100,000 reward for his work at the Global Student Prize of 2021. He also won the Regional Top Student Award from Commonwealth.org and made another $4,000 to go with it. Well, good for him. Sierra Leone has some of the least established and least reliable power grids on Earth, with only 26% of people having access to electricity. Now, I will say, um, the native nations here in America have many of them have right at, right at that or a little bit less. But anyway, back to Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone. Um, now, this boy, when he was in school, he uh, had to live with this and watch the other students fall behind in their work because they didn't have enough light uh, to study after dark. They had very primitive lighting. And at age 17, this amazing young man la launched a startup company. He named it Optum Energy, and this was to power homes via kinetic energy transfer. And once it's buried under a road, it converts heat pressure and movement into electrical currents without anyone being aware of it. He said, I wanted to develop a more sustainable energy system, educate people about energy efficiency, and stop their overuse of natural resources. You know, the sun isn't always shining. Water is drying up everywhere. Fossil fuels are not always going to be used, but people are always moving. So at a pilot program in his hometown, Optum Energy successfully deployed two devices, which, as I said, powered 150 houses, 15 schools, totaling services to more than 10,000 people. 9,000 of them are students. He's currently looking to expand into the healthcare sector. Presumably, he wants to utilize the busy roads and walkways near hospitals to generate, he says, required power for vaccine refrigeration. It's, it's amazing. Amazing. Wow. Look at where we could go with the kinds of innovation that we're seeing in young people. I mean, they are just, wow. All right. Well, you know, um, I get a lot of, um, I wouldn't call it complaints, but sort of kind of, from my clients who tell me I can't concentrate, I can't focus. Well, a man has written a book about that. And he tells us that the mind can be trained like a muscle to focus. And he gives us some really simple exercises. So, you know, when people say, I get distracted easily, what they're really saying is, I receive less of the absolute miracle that is focus 
than other people. I don't get the kind of focus that other people get. Well, the fact is very few people in today's world can focus at all. That is now uh, the, the average rather than the unusual. When we consider the 10 million bytes of imagery data that the eyes give the brain every second or the 6,000 spontaneous thoughts we have every single day, it seems like a miracle we can focus on anything at all. And that applies even more so for people who are on the Internet a lot, do surfing, constantly interfacing with artificial intelligence or their computers, as, or, or multitask in, in jobs that require them to do ten, 10 things at once. Well, as it turns out, uh, focus can actually be trained and developed, just like a human muscle can be trained after months of pumping iron. Now, that's according to a professor of behavioral neurosci uh, neuroscience who has written a book called, I'm going to read this slowly so you might want to look it up, Peak Mind, Find Your Focus, Own Your Attention. Now, this person's research shows that when people in high-demand jobs like soldiers elite athletes or emergency personnel invest 12 minutes a day for four weeks doing simple mindfulness exercises, many aspects of cognitive and emotional health, including attention, are improved. The hmm. author writes, the first step to better focus is accepting a key truth. You cannot just decide to have unfettered attention. A lot of Western ideas about mindfulness are drawn from Eastern religious meditation practices. You know that. Um, there's the Buddhist meditation that involves focusing on nothing, and, and Zen practitioners uh, teach you to meditate sometimes with your eyes open. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. They don't want to do that. Yet the author tells us that attention can be trained through simple exercises. And so the book contains a lot of brain workouts all centered around learning to train your brain to focus. So I'm going to share four of them with you. One of them is pay attention to your breath and where your body, uh, you feel it passing the most. Where in your body do you feel your breath? Use your focus like a flashlight. Pay attention to your breath and where in your body you feel it passing through. Use your focus like a flashlight. Number two. Don't think of these exercises as peaceful reflection or a time to say OM, but rather a rigorous mental workout. Number three, don't think of being calm and instead try to imagine the goal of being alone in the middle of a four-way intersection, watching people, your thoughts, pass along the crosswalks under each set of lights. Sit still and watch your thoughts. Four, as with the breathing focus, Spend three minutes a day focusing on the sensation of doing exactly what it is that you are doing. All of you can relate to the th fact that you, when you're doing something, you're thinking about something else. And this author says, if you're showering, focus on that experience alone. Don't let your mind wander. And if we take those four steps, she says that we will greatly improve our ability to focus. And I think that's a worthwhile thing. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think, Me too. I think it's imperative. Yeah. So you might want to check out that book. Well, here's, I'm going to end uh, tonight's news by sharing kind of a humorous story with you. I don't think the actual situation is humorous, but what happened afterwards is rather humorous. A woman fell down a mountain, but she wrote a hilarious review for the leggings that she bought 
giving them five stars. Um, this woman was so impressed by a pair of leggings after she tumbled down a mountain that she posted an Amazon review that has gone viral. She posted photographs of herself sprawled on a rocky slope, saying there was not even a hole in her pants after the accident. It's a <laughs> She's wearing um, lavender leggings. Uh, they're really tight, of course. And she's sprawled out on this rock. Now, I don't know how she got pictures of herself. But I don't even know if this is staged, okay? But anyway, it's funny. What's funny is the amount of people that are responding to this, this review that she gave. Um, but you can see those really tight pants in, in the lavender and... and they look flawless like she just put them on. Anyway, she said uh, she was perfectly fine and she was praising these leggings. And this testimony, along with her photograph, spurred 18,000 shoppers to mark her review as helpful. And as an Amazon user, she left a five-star rating for the company called Raypo's Exercise Leggings that cost $13.99 and mm-hmm. told other people to order them right away, she wrote. Can I just say that I will be reordering from them in every color? Here is me rolling and sliding down a mountain because I was too scared to get up. My leggings didn't rip, not even a little bit, and I got stuck on rocks and trees. Well, people were posting screenshots of this, these funny pictures of herself. They put it on Twitter. You know, it racked up more than 400,000 likes. <laughs> people are just crazy over this. It, <laughs> it doesn't take much to entertain people nowadays, does it? But anyway, in response, another reviewer posted her own photo of the leggings in action. She was copycat, copycatting the first woman uh, rolling down a hill, and her post said, mountain sliding, legging, mountain sliding legging lady was right, she said. These Ray Post leggings off Amazon are exactly as good as the lady in the review says they are. Glad I bought five. So, <laughs> anyway, anywho doesn't take much to entertain people these days, but the amazing part of it is the viralness of such a thing. Uh, you know, I guess people are looking for a laugh. Let's put it like that. Maybe people are looking for something lighthearted, something to just entertain them. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a quote for you from Woodrow Wilson. Of all things, oh, President Wilson. But I think it's good. He said, you're not here to merely make a living. You are here in order to enable the world to live more amply, with greater vision, with a finer spirit of hope and achievement. You are here to enrich the world, and you impoverish yourself if you forget the errand. Ooh. And, you know, I think about our starseed and all that they're contributing and doing, and this young man in Sierra Leone, and all of the people who are coming up with these wonderful inventions and remedies and hope for our future and I say, you know, my hat's off to you because you're all living as you should. Woodrow Wilson would agree. You know, you're living with a mindfulness towards others, and you're, you're fulfilling your purpose. From my heart to each one of you, much love, everybody, and we'll catch you next week, next couple of weeks, in two weeks. <laughs> you're right. right. Thanks, Ariel. It's going to be a oh, very oh. good show tonight. Oh, yeah, it sure is. And thank you so much for the Starseed News, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, so um, we have Jacqueline on the switchboard here. Just let me get get everything situated and uh, Lavendar. And, uh, okay, there you are. 
Okay. Well, Jacqueline, welcome back to the show. It's so nice to have you with us again. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here tonight. Um, and Lavender, are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Oh, okay, Jacqueline. Yeah, Jacqueline, <laughs> your book arrived, and I've been reading it. I'm oh, very, impre- I'm very impressed with this book. The oh, way that you, you. La- the way you laid it out was such a, a clever way of editing it. I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed. In fact, it's given uh-huh. me ideas for how I'm going to do my book. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, cool. <laughs> so um, I want you to know that a lot of people that listen to our show are very awake, and there's probably a lot of hybrids that listen to our show. So I want you to feel comfortable saying anything that you feel like you can say to the hybrids that are listening or people that are just now getting interested in knowing about hybrids and how they come about on the planet. So I'll just turn it over to you and let you start anywhere you want to start. If you want to start when you became a hybrid or something that's happened recently aboard ship you want to tell us, just jump right in. Okay, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to be start at the beginning <laughs> when... Um, I was in my mother's womb. The star beings took my mother on the ship, and they um, injected me with a cocktail. I could, you know, you could say of um, seven different DNAs from, um, you know, seven different races. And so. Um, you know, there's various ways of looking at this, but this is, you know, this makes me a hybrid, and my DNA is different um, because of being injected with star being um, DNA. And so um, in, in the larger sense, we're all hybrids, but um, so we could look at it. Then there are those who have been, like myself, genetically altered, and they're often referred to as as hybrids. Um, we're different in that we our DNA has been literally altered. Um, and everyone's a starseed. You know, every, we're all from the stars. And so um, I just wanted to kind of talk about that. And so... As a hybrid, I was on the ship um, for many, many years, starting around the age of three, and um, we could say I was attending night classes because I was taken at night most of the time, and I absolutely loved being on the ship, <laughs> and... Um, and those who I refer to as my star parents, um, Amitha and Zazu, they are the main star beings who watched over me and had injected my mother. They are tall white Zeta masters, um, not to be confused with the tall whites, that are often talked about, um, that Charles Hall writes and talks about in Nevada. So um, this is a a whole different um, lineage. 
So my star parents were um, totally loving. I I was loved unconditionally on the ship. It was just amazing, not only by my parents, but by the other beings on the ship as well. And so on the ship there were um, Arcturian Zetas. I was close to one um, who I who I called Sandman because um, when I was a little girl, my my parents would say the Sandman will come and put you to sleep, and so um, I called this one Sandman because he would come when I was asleep to take me to um, night classes on the ship. And so um, there were other beings. There were Zetas. um, Sometimes there were angels on the ship. Um, I think I mentioned maybe Mantis. I'm very connected to the Mantis. So, So I had all these wonderful beings on ship to connect with. And and honestly, um, I was totally loved unconditionally by all these beings, which it really was like being in heaven. (laughs) I I was really blissed out, um, and oftentimes it was a challenge for me to come back to Earth because it's just not the same. <laughs> That's of course. Well, so so let me ask you. Um, I, w- I was reading in your book about the the mantis. Can you give us a couple of stories or, or instances where you had uh, interchange with the mantis beings? Because I I think a lot of people listening have had some mantis occurrences. Yeah, I have a lot of mantis in me um, as part of my DNA. And um, so I had mantis teachers who would teach me how to um, work energetically with objects. Um, In in the class I was in, there were eight of us. uh, There were eight children. And so one of our teachers was a mantis and who would teach us how to levitate objects. Um, And so, and and also teach us just about time and space and, um, you know, and about Earth also. So, um, you know, on the ship there is no such thing as time, but, um, but they were teaching us, preparing us for what we were going to be doing. Um, One experience I had was when um, some of my hybrid children were created, that that a mantis being and I joined um, energetically, and it was just amazing. Um, Again, there are really no words for this. And we just joined energetically, and I actually watched, the hybrid um, babies come into being like they were in like spheres of light and then they would come out of those spheres and then um, 
they would grow up right before my eyes. So, like, within seconds they were teenagers. <laughs> yes, so, I'm very familiar with this. In fact, years and years ago when I first mm-hmm. uh, became acquainted with all, all these subject matters, I was very aware that they could take a uh, a baby out of out of a womb on planet Earth, take it aboard ship, and, and grow it to full length in two weeks. Right. Yeah, yeah, they're they're master geneticists. Um, yes, yes. They are just they are just masters, and and so um, I I had that experience, you know, um, that very personal experience with with the mantis, um, and then as teachers, I love the mantis. They are childlike, but they're not childish, and at the same time, they're very intelligent and um, can see the details of things and yet see the overall picture of things. And so um, they are amazing beings. And So, so let um, me ask you, do you think that the mantis uh, are kind of in charge? Well, maybe I'm saying it right. Do you think the mantis has something to do with the awakening of the elementals on the planet? Well, I think a number of beings do. Not, not, I think the mantis do, for sure. Um, yeah, I, for some reason I think they, they probably have the call stronger here in Arkansas than, than any other place. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, so they, they were um, definitely a, a part of, um, of creating that, yeah, of the elementals and connections and um, other beings as well. They kind of have like councils who do these, you know, amazing things. So, but the mantis were, um, they come and visit me all the time. They have a great sense of humor. And um, they make me laugh all the time. <laughs> they're, they're they're just so much fun. And Are you saying um, they have a do they have a cartoon mind? Is that what you're saying? I don't know if I would say cartoon, um, but but they just love to have fun. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, and and um, yeah, they're just great fun to be with, and um, yeah, they just make me laugh. So, but <laughs> okay. um, so so yeah, it, on the starship again, we had this class. Um, of eight of us children, um, a number of children were from different countries, and what was wonderful is that we could all communicate telepathically um, and understand each other just fine, even though we were from different countries. And so we learned um, how to create, I call it balls of light or light balls, and then we would p- play catch like with a baseball, with with these balls of light, um, and as we progressed, we were taught how to create something from that light, how to manifest whatever we wanted to in our minds, um, like an image of an animal um, or whatever we wanted to, a cat or a dog, or and and so um, and then we would continue to learn about that um, and to 
Also, as I mentioned, levitate objects. Um, And on the ship it was amazing because it was more like floating than walking on the ship. And the ship is really an organic being and um, there really are no floors or walls because everything is just holographic. So... um, so it was really, for me, great fun, and um, and also uh, what I would do on the ship too is on the walls there were I called them well they were light language codes and I would stick my fingers in the light language codes and the codes would come off um, the walls and dance with me and then they would dance through me, raising my vibration. Um, so those light, those light codes are living beings. And so at, at three years old, I was learning how to speak light languages, um, the star languages of, of many of these beings, which I still do today in my work with people. So... Um, this was all natural for me, you know. Um, but it has been a real challenge adjusting the earth with, uh, you know, with the density. It's like walking through mud some days. Um, and just dealing with um, the duality and the mindset of humanity, of course, can be very challenging. Um, so I kind of feel like I'm a bridge. I I can look from the star being perspective and also the human perspective and um, kind of speak from both of those points of views. So it, it, it has been a journey. I mean, it has taken many, many years for me to integrate all my experiences and... Um, just to just to integrate this, you know, with being a hybrid, I I feel much more um, star being than I do human. <laughs> so yeah. So is, is this when you want to shapeshift? I noticed you had a, a paragraph in here about shapeshifting. Can you give a little insight to some of the things that you've experienced with shapeshifting? I know that some of the Zetas will uh, shapeshift themselves into different animals. Can you give us some examples of maybe some things you've experienced that way? Yeah, I just, um, when I I was on a mothership in in, um, 2013, um, where I had two weeks of, I call them my Thanksgiving experiences, um, where I was just a craft came out of a portal above my house, an organic craft, and it flew over like 50 feet above me um, over a tree, and um, there were all kind of starships in the sky, and then they came and got me. They asked me if I wanted to go on the mothership, and I said, yeah, <laughs> who are you kidding? I, I, You know, they know me. I, I was like waving my arms saying, here I am. So on on the mothership, um, I 
had the ability to shapeshift into the different forms um, that that I am, like the seven different races, um, you know, whose DNA I have, I could shift into all those forms depending on who I was with and what I was doing. And um, it, it, it was really great fun. And I've also had um, experiences of just shape-shifting, um, just being at home in bed um, and waking up and feeling like I have three fingers and um, I, I'm very tall and... Um, I did have an experience where I did a um, consult with a man who was Arcturian-based, and um, I started speaking light language or the Arcturian star language, and so I was just sharing that with him. And afterwards he said, "Um, I saw your skin turn blue. Well, you did that. So, um, so the Octarian Zetas that I'm that I'm familiar with that have blue skin. So, it, that's a type of shape shifting as well. And and people have seen my eyes shift. Um, you know, when they look into my eyes, and then once my body disappeared, when <laughs> I was in a group of people, we were calling in star beings, and I went on a mantis light ship, which was great fun, Um, and one of the women said, do you know your whole body disappeared? And I said, no, and she goes, yeah, you were just gone. (laughs) So those are different types of, I guess we could say, shifting, right? Um, So... You have several pictures in here about an owl. Can you tell us a little story about the owl's pictures that you have in the book? Sure, yeah, thank you. Um, that, that, that happened during the Thanksgiving experiences, um, I call them, um, during those two weeks when that craft came out of the portal over my house and um, it changed, it shifted all the electric magnetic fields in my house, around my house, and all kinds of things happened. And um, one of the most profound um, things that happened um, for me and, and to me um, kind of sharing um, some proof of what happened was I had a statue of a plastic owl, and um, I don't know, it's about a foot and a half high. And after these experiences, after a couple days, um, um, I should say more, after a couple weeks, I looked at this owl, that the statue that I had had for years, it was intact when I bought it, it had been intact because I had it inside, and there was actually on the wing, on the upper wing, there were molecular changes um, in the wing. After that ship flew over, there were indentations on a base where the owl's feet are implanted, and there was a hole in the back 
of the owl, which had not been present. So um, I had things like, you know, that for me that that was pretty amazing. Um, and I had crystals that were moving all over my house. I would put a crystal on a table, and a second later, it would be under my bed. So there were there was this huge shifting of um, dimensions going on, <laughs> crazy stuff within my house and around um, my house as well. And the grass grew up overnight. It had snowed. Um, grass grew up probably, I'm thinking, three three or three inches or so. Um, and neither of my neighbors, they didn't have that, um, which I show a picture in the book of my neighbor's yard compared to mine. And I had all kinds of geometric shapes in the yard, um, which which were wonderful. And a wire, a chicken wire that had literally, it had been flat on the ground for like years and years and years. And right after that craft went over, it, it totally curled up. I mean, I went out, I couldn't believe it, went outside, it was totally like in in a curl or a little spiral. And so um, fortunately I had a friend who had come over and was with me. Um, so she was a witness to all of this and we took lots of photos. And um, it, it certainly is a Thanksgiving I will never forget. Um, and... The beings had contacted me and said, we want you to come outside. Um, and I said, I finally said, okay, I was going to go to the bed. And they go, we want you to come outside. So I went outside and all these incredible things happened. And I ended up on the mothership and going in and out of time, all kinds of timelines, Um going home to what I call my original star origin planet. Um, so it, it it just was t- over two weeks, about two weeks of amazing experiences. And my friend who had been here, um, we were talking about this. She called me to see how I was doing because... This was a lot to integrate. I had like three days of missing time. And um, after the two weeks, she called me and she goes, well, you know, you're getting settled in and that because I was very disoriented. And I said, yeah, that was a crazy three days. And she got really quiet. And she goes, Jacqueline, that wasn't three days. It's been over two weeks. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's so different being in no time versus time and you know the ship I was on as a child it was no time so so going in and out um, it took me a while to get reoriented um to this level. <laughs> I, I totally understand. I totally understand. Uh, I understand that you, too, have been 
uh, communicating with animals. Do you communicate with owls or birds or the feathered beings? Are they part of your collective energy patterns that you work with? Well, I, um, I've i been an animal communicator for 40 years professionally. And, you know, the Zetas or the Greys, um, they can certainly shape-shift and become owls um, and other animals as well. And so, you know, all the animals, those who we refer to as animals because um, the star beings who I work with and communicate with, they don't have categories for animals because they just see everyone as being one. So there's no categories or distinction between lower or higher being because their messages, we are all equal and all one. So, yeah, yeah, which is beautiful. Um, And all the, all the, um, you know, again, all of those who we refer to as animals on Earth, they're all from other star systems as well. My second book is, um, they asked me to write about this. They came to me and my whole second book, Star Origins and Wisdom of Animals, is about where they're all from and why they're here, why they're in partnership, um, some of them with humans like the cats and the dogs and they tell me what they look like and what their families are like. And so, you know, it it really is true that we're all one and we're just different expressions of the Creator. Wow. So uh, you said something earlier about having hybrid children. Did they come to you and say, do you want to have hybrid children, or how did that come about? Did they come and... Uh, take it out of your womb and then bring it back again. I know several women that I have talked to in through the years have told me that they go to the doctor and they have twins and then they go back again and there's only one there because one has disappeared at the fourth month. So yeah, yeah. is this what you yeah. found to be true? Can you give us a little insight My to how... Answer, I guess. Mm-hmm. How, you tr- how you uh, become a candidate to have hybrid children. Well, um, my perspective is that those of us who have hybrid children, we volunteered to do that on a soul level. And it's also part of our lineage. Like there's always um, either the mother or the father both have been in... um, we could say in contact with or in the in a hybridization program. So because they follow the lines of the family for years and years and years. So for me, both my parents um, were connected um, to the star beings, and so I volunteered on soul level. Um, and when I was about Probably 14. There was a star. There was a um, saucer. Blue sky, no clouds. Um, just amazing. Right above, um, behind my backyard. Just 
not too far above the trees, and it was just stationary hovering in the sky. And I'm going like, wow. And it was so wild because two weeks before, um, I had put out the energy because I was angry at my parents about something and said, I want to get the hell out of here. And here the starship shows up. <laughs> so, And I had put it out for a UFO to come get me. Um, but anyway, um, they took me on the ship and kind of started preparing me for to have hybrid children. So there are different ways. And for me... Um, there were a couple pregnancies where um, they were in the womb, but then they just they they took out you know they took out the embryos and then continued to create them in the hybrid children. For me, um, they had a way of doing this that they were energetically able to just go in and lift them out and I had no pain. So um, that's one way. Another way um, I've talked about with the mantis, that's another way. Um, And it depends on race. Each race has their own hybridization program or way of doing things. And then they can also take a strand of hair because it has my DNA and create hybrid children with that, which they did actually in 2013, they created, there were more, there were three hybrid children in, we could say, my aura, and I could see them, and I could communicate with them. And then at one point I said, um, you need to take them, you know, you need to remove them from me because I was getting too attached. And I said, um, I think I'm done, you know having hybrid children, and because uh, I like half 40 hybrid children. Um, so, so, um, so those are the ways, you know, that the races I'm connected to uh, create hybrid children. And, um, and I love the hybrid children. We, um, my hybrid children came and gave me messages, um, because I have so many, there was one that spoke and spoke for all of them, and also, um, you know, I mean, I can connect. Um, I'm fortunate that I can telepathically connect with them anytime I want to. Um, you know, I can just talk with them. They are in other galaxies and other star systems, and. Um, so I have one who's here on Earth. Um, she's in another country. Um, and so the point of the program, or one of the points is to integrate more hybrids onto the Earth to help humanity evolve. And, and that's the reason why we're here, why hybrids are here, is to help raise the frequencies um, and to assist with ascension, um, you know, for all the frequencies to be raised. So, um, so it's an ongoing program. And and when I was on the ship, we played with the hybrid children. Um, 
we learned a lot. Our group learned a lot from them, and they learned about human things from us, and we learned about hybrid and star being things from them. It, it was really beautiful. Just beautiful. You know, when I, when I read Judy Carroll's book years ago, uh, Human by Day, Zeta by Night, when yeah. I read that, I said to myself, oh, I'm so glad she wrote it this way because this is actually the boilerplate that all of the races use in their hybridization of their of their plans. When I when I read read her book, it relieved me to know that mm-hmm. that someone had written this because it was so true in all in all races. So did you find that to be true for yourself when you read her book? Um yeah, I missed that last sentence you said, the last couple sentences, so so did you, you find did you find the truth? Did you read her book? Did you read Human by Day, Zeta by Night? Did you read yeah, that? Yeah, I know Judy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. But I can't remember ex- specifically what what you're referring to. So if you well, could she, remind she, me, well, she really detailed exactly the procedures, all the procedures, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm mm-hmm. talking about the manual procedures, the spiritual, everything that I read was exactly the way all that I had noticed that all the beings that I had witnessed or been a part of were using the mm-hmm. same formulas. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think it does depend on the race. I, I just think there yes. might be some other races who do things differently. But I'm saying basically, I'm, yes. I'm talking about yes. the basic coming and taking, uh, tracking the yes. bloodlines for several generations. Absolutely. Uh, coming Absolutely. at certain times. I'm talking about the formula of picking them up and actually doing the the um, the interchange. That's what I was talking right. about. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Definitely. They all do the sa- They do it all the same way. Every one of them. I, no, I can't say that every absolutely every race does it that way. No. <laughs> but well, I'm, what I'm saying is that, that basically, if they come and take a hybrid woman out of her bedroom, they have mm-hmm. to create a space by which her body will travel, and and they all use that same technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm okay. talking about. I'm talking okay. about the techniques. Yeah of leaving Earth, going aboard ship, having things oh, done, sure. getting your sure. shots, coming back and not remembering anything, all of that. Right, right, right. So so I think, you know, the intention is, again, to, um, you know, there are hybrid children in many other star systems and galaxies who are also helping other species to evolve. <laughs> and so... The hybrid children will tell me because um, one of the things I love to do when I work, one of the kind of sessions I offer is connecting with someone's hybrid children, whether that be male or female, um, and telling them where they are, like what galaxies they're in, what they're doing, any messages, giving them their frequencies. And so, you know, what they have shared with me is that they are, um, you know, helping other species, other um, star being species, to understand more about humans since they have human in them. 
you know. So yeah, right. so it, it's really interesting, you know, that whole evolutionary process of, um, and I love it. Some of them are artists, some of them are poets, musicians, some of them are like what we would refer to as engineers, you know, except in a whole different way, um, teachers, and, um, you know, not that different from the kinds of things we do here on Earth in a way. It's done differently, but, yeah, so... So, so have um, you had the have you had the experience of going to another dimension, another ship, or another place and seeing colors that we don't have here? And when you try to explain the colors, you can't because <laughs> because you just can't. <laughs> yeah, it, ab- absolutely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think I mentioned that in my book. That that yeah, the colors in that are just. Yeah, there's there's no way to put words. No to way them. to describe it. Oh, I know. We, yeah, yeah, we we don't have any words in English for, <laughs> you know, and um, but I think um, you know, and I think also, um, with, you know, I get to share my star languages, um, in different light languages with people, um, you know, I'm able to do that being a hybrid, but the truth is everyone can speak light language. Again, we're all from the stars. And so um, those languages were really important on the ship to me, and um, I learned a great deal, like I said, that I... Now use I speak light language every day just because it's so uplifting and joyful, and um, and when I work with people I speak star languages, light languages come through in whatever way they're you know is is going to benefit that person the most, and so we have really cool things happening with those light language sessions and I it is um our next evolutionary step is light language. And many people globally are speaking light languages. They're just spontaneously starting to speak them or they want you know, they want to learn how to be able to speak them and that. So um I think it's absolutely wonderful because it bypasses the mind ego, and the light yeah. language speaks to our hearts, our souls, every cell in our body. It, you know, helps us to become more aligned with our authentic selves. It, it can, it activates us to um, um, be more of who we are. It can release all programs and patterns and feelings um, at an accelerated rate, um, you know, that that's just really, really wonderful. And um, so I, I, I just um, think it's important and gosh, light language can be expressed through speaking or toning or singing or dancing. And I use my hands, my fingers to speak light language as well. 
so I think it's really important um important important area now because it really is opening people to understanding um that we are truly cosmic citizens. We are divine, well, you know. We are yeah. divine. Well, we need to get that message to everyone everywhere, especially as we're seeing the polarity, polarity dance on the planet. Just <laughs> everything's blowing yeah. up in relationships and families and bloodlines. It's it's a crazy yeah. time, and yet we all chose to be here at this time. That's so right. I'm so <laughs> so glad that you wrote this book, Star oh. Being in the Mirror, because um, it's 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 written in ways that. You draw pictures when you when you write. The pictures are there. It's not just words that you're writing. You write with pictures, and that's very important uh, for yeah. someone to be able to to see the pictures that you're giving them in your book. I applaud you for that, girl. That's great. Ah, uh, thank you. That that's my intention, and my intention is, you know, for this book to support experiencers, hybrids. Um, you know, anyone who might even just be interested in this subject and, um, you know, to, it's just time for all of us, you know, everyone to understand that we are cosmic citizens and this certainly can um, wake people up. I've had a couple people, you know, a couple people just in the last couple of days tell me how the book, it was really um, wonderful how it's inspiring them and waking them up. Um, Good. That's great. I'm grateful. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. So um, at this time, I usually turn over the show to Ariel, but I told her that I wanted to stay with you and and interview you. But at this time, Ariel, is there anyone on the switchboard that has a question or uh, I wanted to check with you before we sign off? Uh, well, so far, no. Okay. But uh, do you want me to do you want me to ask? Yeah, you could. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, if anyone that's on the switchboard does have a question, just press one on your keypad, and um, we will help you um, talk to Jacqueline. And if you're not on the um, switchboard already, if you're just listening on the computer, then you need to pick up the phone and dial nine one seven. Eight eight nine, eight two nine two, and then once you're in, press one. So um, we'll give it a minute and and see if anyone has a question. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll just keep talking, and then you can tell us, Ariel, if someone um, raises their hand in the uh, switchboard room. Okay. Just you, okay. You see it from where you, you can see the switchboard. Right. I'm not where you are. I'm in Arkansas. You're in. Atlanta, so <laughs> we're having to do this long distance. Um, so I, I did want to ask you uh, if you're going to make your story into a movie. Is it? Oh my has goodness. people approached you about this? Uh, no, haven't thought that. I haven't thought about that, but <laughs> who knows? Well, I think I think it's doable, girl. Uh. I think it's. The the movies that are out there now, the miniseries, the way that people are waking up. We just mm-hmm. saw something the other day called Wheels of Time uh, uh-huh. that just just really got our attention about how energy works on the planet with goddess and the women. So uh-huh. 
with yeah. with stories like yours, absolutely, that could be not only a movie but a series because you've got enough material with your experiences to to do a series. Wow! Wow! So I'm wow. just saying, okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> That, that could and be. I encourage you to do that because you have the kind of story that, you know, I haven't heard, I've heard of many stories uh, of hybrids, but nothing like yours. Yours wow. is really, wow. really right up there. Wow. And I think it's because you have so many different uh, species of DNA because it yeah. gives you so much yeah. more uh, abilities and, and powers to play with and to, to manifest. So that that's what makes your story different than some other people that I know that are that are hybrids. Yeah, thank you. And I um you know, my intention I wrote this book from my heart and my soul. <laughs> and um Well it had to start somewhere, but now we just need to we need to elevate this to to um to the screen. I'm I'm in uh, favor of that. And anybody that gets the book will say that too. So uh, thank you. And I I Get, just, ready, um, <laughs> Get ready, girl. Get ready. <laughs> well, I, um, you know, I, I, I love um, sharing my story because um, it brings me joy to share it with others and hoping that it will assist them in some way, you know, or, um, you know, support them with some kind of experience they've had with star beings or whatever that right. might be or you know and any time that you want to come on and tell us something we can always give you 5 or 10 minutes or if you have another book or anything that's happening you know always know that you you're you have an open invitation to come in and share with us anything that has to do with star seed information well thank you i i appreciate that and um and yeah i just I think one of the things is just um, the unconditional love that I experienced with these beings and and still do, um, who are on the ship, because I still visit them and they visit me, um, is, you know, the most important thing and the most important lesson is is love. And... um, and this is, you know, the message these beings have shared with me, and um, and it is definitely one of their, it is their key message that that love is, you know, living. They talk about living, sim- you know, from the heart, living simply from the heart, and loving. That that's that's what humanity is trying to um, move into, you know. And, right. um Yeah. So, and lots of wonderful openings are happening globally. Um, I think more and more people are waking up. And, um, you know, in terms of what people refer to as ascension, um, yeah, it is really the the process of um, going inward. You know, it's not about going somewhere. But it's really about going inward and um, and connecting and allowing ourselves to be who we really are and to 
learn what powerful, wonderful, loving beings we are. I mean, at the core, we are love and light. Um, and and we're expanding in consciousness. People are expanding in consciousness, which is which is great. Um, and they are too. All the star beings are, um, you know, expanding in consciousness as well. You know, it's not just us. It's right. Cosmically. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I really have enjoyed speaking with you. And like I said, anytime you want to come on, you've got an open invitation. So back to you, Ariel, because you have the switchboard. Okay, so nighty thank night. Thank okay. you. Okay. 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 <clears throat> well, we don't have any anybody with questions, which is kind of typical. Most most okay. people will listen in the archives, um, you know, throughout the the coming couple of weeks. So it has just been a pleasure hearing your story, and and seeing it through your eyes. And I hope that um, a lot of people will either go to your website, which is JacquelineSmith dot com. And uh, Jacqueline is J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N, and then smith.com. And you are also on Amazon. So, um, And you have a lot of, I mean, you have the star origins and wisdom of animals. You have the animal communication, um, our sacred connection with animals, and all the things you have on your website with with books and MP3s, your new e-course, and, of course, your private consultation. So we encourage you to go take a look at Jacqueline's website and um, pick up her book if you feel like you might be a hybrid or you might know somebody that is or you just want to um, (laughs) spend some time away from the third dimension in the pages of the book. (laughs) Okay, sweetie. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Thank you. It was fun. I appreciate it. Okay, and we look forward to uh, speaking you speaking with you again in the future. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, happy holidays. You too. Okay, bye. Okay. And uh, we are wrapping it up for tonight, so we want to thank you for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks with our Christmas show. And until then, remember to have compassion and gratitude every day. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.